0: Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story, and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors, and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. So I grew up praying. My mom and my dad taught me and my three brothers how to pray. My dad would pray at every meal, and my mom would pray with us, three boys, every night. And they were simple, repeatable, memorable prayers. And even today, it has helped me to talk with God. And maybe that's your story as well. Maybe you were raised to pray. Or maybe it's not your story. Maybe the first time you prayed was when you showed up to active for the first time. And so this conversation about prayer is helpful to you because it wasn't something that you were taught when you were growing up. And that's why I love these conversations, because I love to have a conversation with God and we're invited to have a conversation with God. But I think the thing that we have in common, whether we were raised to pray or we weren't raised to pray, the thing we have in common is we all wonder if we're doing it right. We all wonder if God is listening. And the reason why we wonder that is because there are times where we feel like God didn't answer the prayer that we had prayed the way that we had wanted him to answer it. And we're not alone in that. The first disciples, those that first followed Jesus, actually physically with Jesus, they struggled with that too. So much so that when they heard Jesus pray and watched Jesus pray, they actually went to Jesus and asked him this question, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And this is the conversation we started last week at Active. It's a series called Grown-Up Prayers, and we're learning to pray like we mean it. And we wanna know if we're doing this right. We wanna know how to engage the God of the universe and the first disciples did as well. And when they went to Jesus, they were intrigued by how Jesus prayed. They were intrigued by what he said and what he did. It was more compelling. See, these disciples were raised similar to me and maybe even to you. They were raised to pray and taught to pray, but they just felt like there was something missing or there was something different about the way that Jesus prayed so I'm glad that you're joining us because I think this conversation will be helpful for you. And if this is your first time with us, my name is Mike and welcome to Active Church. And when the disciples asked Jesus, hey, would you teach us to pray? Jesus did. And here's what he taught. First, he started with how not to pray. And then he taught them how to pray. And Matthew, who spent three years with Jesus, he wrote all of this down. And in his letter, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Here's what he wrote down and here's what Jesus taught. First, he said, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Jesus started by saying, listen, pretending or being pretentious when you pray is not a prayer. It's not a conversation with God. If you're pretending or if you're pretentious, you're actually wanting people to notice you. You're not looking to engage with the God who loves you. According to Jesus, prayers that are authentic are prayers that come from the heart and from the soul. And then Jesus says, here's how you can pray. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Last week, we learned that you can pray anywhere. But Jesus says it'll actually benefit you if you actually get away and get alone with God because you'll acknowledge who it is that you're actually praying to. Without distraction, turning your focus to him, you'll acknowledge that he, God, infinite God is intimate in this space with you and he is your heavenly father. You're not talking to some being or some spiritual practice that you're participating in. This isn't a, a deity or a ruler. This is your heavenly father. And then Jesus says, by the way, let me, let me just remind you how not to pray. He says, when you pray, don't babble on like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Jesus says repetition and eloquence, that doesn't move God. What moves God is an authentic conversation with God that he wanted you to know. It's not about what you say when you pray. It's about if you pray at all. And then he says this, don't be like them, those who babble and have this repetition and try to get their words right. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Last week we asked this question, like, so if our heavenly father already knows what we need, then why are we praying? (laughs) If he already knows what our desires and longings are, then why are we even talking to him about that? And, And Jesus gives us a good answer. He says, because he's your heavenly father. He knows what you need before you need it. He knows what you need before you ask him for it because he made you, he loves you, he's for you, not against you, which helps us to know how we can pray. We don't have to start by saying, God, me first. We actually can start by saying, God, you first. And this is where Jesus actually leads us into how to pray. His famous words in Matthew chapter 6, verse nine, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We finished our time last week with two statements. Jesus invites us when we first start to begin to pray, that we would declare God's greatness. And then we would submit to God's goodness. We would declare who he is. He is our heavenly father. And we would submit to what he does because what he does is good. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where we left it off. And that's important because where we pick it up today is going to be essential to what Jesus wants us to know and how we actually learn to pray so we can pray like we mean it. All of this, when Jesus is talking, all of this assumes surrender. There's a posture of surrender that Jesus is inviting us into. Surrender of the heart. Surrender of our story. Surrender to the one who is worthy of our surrender. You and I, we naturally resist surrender. And maybe it's because we're prideful, we're egotistical, we're sinful. Maybe it's because of how we've been raised or the world we've been raised in or the city we've been raised in. But we naturally resist surrender. But Jesus is actually inviting us to surrender to the God who is for us as he teaches us. Pray, Do you remember learning how to swim, or maybe teaching your kids how to swim? The act of learning how to swim takes surrender, right? The one who is learning has to surrender to the teacher, and that's hard, because the trust that they have in the teacher might get overwhelmed by the fear of the deep end, right? My wife and I learned this as we taught our oldest Abby at four or five years old, how to swim. And it was difficult. And I know she trusts us. I know she trusted us then and I know she trusts us now. But man, it was so difficult to get her to let go of the edge. There was this world of above water swimming and underwater swimming that we wanted her to know and we wanted her to enjoy. But she was unwilling to surrender and let go of the side of the pool because fear was taking over and her trust in us just got swallowed up. I remember teaching her to swim at my mom and dad's backyard in their pool. And I was like, Abby, let go and swim to me, right? And she said, okay, I will after some coaxing. But then she said this, dad, could I pray before I let go of the edge of the pool? Well, of course, I'm going to say yes to that, right? Like I want her to pray. I'm I'm a Christian man. I'm a pastor, right? I want her to pray. And so I said, sure, go ahead. And these prayers that she prayed were some of the most eloquent, beautiful, four-year-old prayers. She's 18 now. She's never prayed like this ever again. Like when she was four, when she was five, learning to swim, she prayed so powerfully. Like we would have wanted her to teach us how to pray. But then I realized that she was just delaying The inevitable. She didn't want to let go. So she prayed for everybody in our family, everybody in our city, everybody in our church. She prayed for everybody alive. She prayed for everybody dead. She prayed and thank God for Abraham Lincoln. Like these are the prayers that she prayed in that moment. She was willing to actually pause and hang on to the edge and resist surrender. And that resistance to surrender kept her from experiencing a world that she wouldn't experience unless she would surrender. And that was that was something that she needed to understand. It was something that we needed to help her understand. And this is something that Jesus is teaching us as he's teaching us to pray. If we don't surrender to God, then we miss out on the world that God is helping us and inviting us to step into. If we don't surrender to God, then we resist the story that God wants to write in us and through us. Listen, as long as we resist and we insist on getting our way, we're just going to get in the way. And that's why Jesus is teaching us to pray the way He's teaching us to pray. And that's why it's important for us to understand surrender, because what we're about to learn from Jesus today assumes surrender. In fact, what He's going to teach us today is where a lot of us actually start. And so let me just double down on what Jesus is saying here. Like, We need to surrender because prayer is surrendering control to the God who is in control. Embracing thy will be done will introduce you to a world that you would never know or experience otherwise. And if you're a Christian, you've trusted in Jesus, you've decided to follow Jesus, give your heart and your life to Jesus, this is essential for you. This is what deep faith actually looks like. Deep faith is not about what you know. Deep faith is about letting go. What Jesus is teaching us is this. Before I even know what it is, God, I'm going to pray, your will be done. Before you even give me clarity as to what I'm stepping into and what you've prepared me for, I'm going to pray, your will be done. You get all that? This is what Jesus is teaching us. This is where he's leading us. And then he eventually takes us to the place where most of us actually start praying. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 11. He gives us two things. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, Jesus isn't teaching us how to make a prayer request here. Jesus is actually requesting that we pray for two specific things. We pray in two specific ways. And again, it assumes surrender. And he says, I'm inviting you to pray for two things, provision and pardon. Provision is God providing and meeting your needs. Pardon is God forgiving your sin and setting you free. It's found in what he invites us to pray. He says, the provision of God is found in give us today, our daily bread, and then the pardon of God is found in forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. So let's start with provision. And the reason we start here is because normally this isn't something that we're too worried about, having our needs met. But for that first audience, this would have sent them back into the past. It would have reminded them of their ancestors and how God Provided for their daily needs every day. They'd been rescued and saved from Egypt and they were living in the desert for about 40 years. And the desert isn't filled with great food and great drink. And so they needed God to come through. And so God commanded them every day when they would wake up, there would be sustenance waiting for them. And they would grab just enough. And that was his command, grab enough for the day, no less and no more and then feed your family and then the next day i will meet your needs again this sustenance this substance that they found that morning and every morning they called it manna now there has been some theologians that have talked about like what it is it was like maybe this kind of honey kind of cracker maybe biscuit substance that was found truthfully the word manna literally means this what is it because the people didn't know they just knew that god provided for them and the command was grab what you need for the day, not for the week or the month or the year, but what you need for the day. And then there were people that actually grabbed that wanted more and it actually went bad. It got rotted. And so God taught them like, I'm going to provide for you. This is what those first people hearing this, the first disciples hearing this would have considered that God met our needs in the past. And Jesus is reminding us to pray and ask our heavenly father to meet what we need today, today daily. And I think what Jesus is helping us to understand, even in our world, is he's warning us that there won't be a day where you won't have your needs met because your heavenly father has promised to meet your needs. Even if it doesn't come at your time or on your timing or in your calendar, your heavenly father has promised to meet your needs. He knows what you need before you even ask. But I think Jesus is warning us because there may come a day where you have more than what you need you will have abundance or overflow in your hands and in your heart. Jesus is saying this, I want you, even when you have plenty, I want you to know that you are still dependent upon your heavenly Father. That God is always your ultimate provider. Whatever you have in your hands has been given to you as a gift from God. And that doesn't just include food, it includes everything. And Jesus says in those moments, in those seasons, when you feel like you have no control, those are moments where you turn to God. Like when it has to do with your health, or when it has to do with your mental health, or when it has to do with your relationships. When you have no control over those things, turn to God. But then Jesus says, but also in those moments when you have everything that you think that you need, or maybe you have overflow, turn to God. He's reminding us of just how little control we actually have in life and how we need to surrender to our Heavenly Father, the God who is in control. And so when you pray, declare your dependence upon God. Now, I know that feels very countercultural, right? Like it doesn't feel like a right now today sort of prayer. Our prayer is, God, if I just had a little more Like, let me win the lotto and then, right? But Jesus is saying, God, would you meet my needs today? And this would have been familiar to that first audience, to those first disciples, because this was a prayer that actually is shaped and influenced by a prayer that Solomon prayed and he wrote down in the document of Proverbs in the scriptures. Solomon was the richest man alive, and yet he prayed this way, the way that Jesus is teaching the disciples and teaching you and me how to pray. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, Solomon prays this prayer, God, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. In other words, what he's praying is, is God, don't give me more than I can hold in my hands. And don't give me less than what I need. Don't give me more than what I can actually carry. But don't give me less than what I know that I can carry. And then he gives the reason why he prays that. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may, may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. Like this is the, the greatest self-aware prayer in the scriptures. Because Solomon is praying like, I'm aware of what happens when I'm in control. And when I'm in control, I can lose control. And I might actually spend more than I have. And I could become poor. And then I know me. I know what I'll do. I'll steal I know I'll fall into terrible traps. I know I'll fall into terrible habits. And so, God, I I need you to just place in my hands what you believe I can handle. And then he says, but I also know that if I'm in control, things are going to get out of control. So I need the God who is in control. I need to trust and obey. And this is a prayer, I think, that all of us could pray and should pray and maybe even must pray. Because the truth is, is that we can become very successful and think that we don't need God or church or faith. And then we find ourselves when things are out of control, when things are in chaos, coming back to God and church and faith. And Jesus is saying, like, you can follow me and you can talk to your heavenly father in every moment, in those moments when you have plenty and in those moments where it's lean. This is why Jesus is teaching us to pray and ask God, hey, would you just meet our needs today? Give us our daily bread today. Don't be deceived into thinking that you don't need God in every moment. That is the encouragement of Jesus. Friends, this is why he speaks about surrender. This is why we can't resist surrender. Because the God that we surrender to actually is the God that's for us and meets our needs and gives us what we need. And so his prayer, the inviting prayer that he's asking us to actually step into is that God, would would you Would you meet my needs? I need you in every moment. This is the prayer of provision. And then he says these words, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This is the prayer of pardon. And this is the only time in scripture and I'm, and I'm willing to be wrong, but as far as I've searched the scripture, this is the only time in scripture that we're invited to pray something with a catch. If you find something else in the scripture, let me know. But this is the only time that I have found where Jesus says, pray this way, but there's a catch. And here's the catch. We're asking God, forgive me in the same way and to the same degree that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me. How I've treated them, God, treat me that way. How I've forgiven them, God, that's what I want from you. Woo, I don't know if I want to pray that. Do you? And then Paul, Paul takes these words of Jesus and he drops them into real life. And that's what I love about his writings. And if you're interested in how to put the commands of Jesus into practice, read Galatians and Philippians and Colossians and even Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 32, Paul writes this in light of what Jesus has just invited us to pray. Paul writes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And then listen to these words. Just as in Christ, God, your heavenly father forgave you. Jesus is clear and Paul is clear. The story isn't about you. The story is about what has been done for you by the God who loves you. So according to Jesus... When you pray, you should ask for forgiveness because you need it. But you should also ask for forgiveness as a reminder that you need to forgive those who have wronged you. Which brings up a question, at least for me, and I'm going to say it out loud because maybe you're thinking this too. Am I withholding from someone the very thing that I'm asking God to give me? Like, am I withholding grace and compassion and forgiveness for someone who has wronged me. But yet at the same time, asking God to not withhold it from me. That question actually helps us to place God in his rightful place as our heavenly father, as infinite God in this intimate space with us. God is not a cleaning product. God doesn't come along and just rinse off your conscience for you. This this invitation is an invitation to confess our sin to our Heavenly Father who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This restores intimacy between you and God, between me and God, because we've sinned and we've done our own thing and we've done it in our own way. We're building our own kingdom. And Jesus says, go before the Lord and surrender and ask him to forgive you. But then he also says, The reason that you ask for this is so that you can be forgiven and so that you can forgive others to the level that God has forgiven you so that you can leave the door open for restoration with them because God wants restoration with you. And so the very thing that God has done for you, you do for others when we forgive. We release people from a debt that they may never be able to pay us. Philip Yancey is an author and he has a great quote about forgiveness. He said, God announced forgiveness ahead of time. We should do the same. And being unwilling to do what God has done for us makes us, ready? A hypocrite, an actor, pretending, pretentious. This is what Jesus says, don't pray that way. Don't pray that way. Pray and acknowledge that God has canceled your debt. And so of course you'll do the same for others. And when we refuse to forgive, we are refusing to follow Jesus. When we refuse to forgive, we're refusing to follow Jesus. So (laughs) lean in for a moment. Watching, listening, lean in. You sure you want to learn how to pray? Because this is where it leads. This isn't just a religious practice or a spiritual moment. This is a life-changing, better story moment because of the power of God through his Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus. You sure you want to learn how to pray? I wonder if that's what Jesus said. Maybe they didn't write it down. Maybe Matthew was so drawn in by the words of Jesus. He was like, I don't know if I'm going to write this part down, but maybe Jesus paused and goes, are you sure about this? Because this is where it leads. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and to follow me. Surrendering to our heavenly father in this way protects us from having anybody or anything become the Lord and master of our hearts. When we forgive... It sets us free from bitterness and rage and hate and anger. And you may have every reason to hold on to whatever it is that you're holding on to. And Jesus has given you every reason to surrender it. And this is such a big deal to Jesus that he actually ends his teaching on prayer this way in verse 14. He says these words, ready? He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. Yay, we like that, but he doesn't stop. He says this in verse 15. But if you don't forgive others their sin, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sin. Wait, what? That's what he's taking us to. Like, why would God give you something that you're unwilling to give those around you? And don't don't go too far into this and try to overthink this. Literally, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, don't be a hypocrite. Be a follower of Jesus. Don't pretend, be pretentious. Do for others what God has done for you. So before we go any further, I have to ask, Is there anyone that you have refused to forgive? Is there anyone in your life that you have refused to forgive? And I get it. You could say, Mike, you don't know my story. And you would be right. And I would probably give you a pass. I'm an Enneagram 9. I'm a peacemaker. Peacemakers want to be kind and compassionate and they don't want to hurt anybody. So if you said, Mike, here's my story, I would probably respond with, you're right, they're a jerk and you have every right to be mad and not forgive them. But Jesus doesn't give us a pass. Jesus is compassionate and gracious and then invites us to forgive because he knows what the lack of forgiveness does to our hearts. And it's in those moments that our anger and rage and bitterness become our Lord instead of Jesus being our Lord. And we start to look to other things instead of our heavenly father. This is why he asks us, are you willing to cancel their debt like your heavenly father has canceled yours? When you do this, you're introduced to a, a world you would have never known otherwise. Because prayer opens you up to be accountable to God. Be accountable to God. I'm going to do what you have done for me, God, in the lives of those around me to the best of my ability with your strength. And I don't want to be empty and unchanged. I want to be somebody who tells better stories. This is why Jesus has invited us into praying this way, especially when it comes to forgiveness. Because when I'm focused on what God has yet to complete in me, I'm less concerned about what God has yet to do in you. And that's why Jesus invites us to pray. In fact, he said it better than I just did. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he says it this way, you hypocrite, in that word, whoo, right? Don't pretend, don't be pretentious. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. First take the plank out, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck. He's not saying that what they've done to you is small and insignificant. What he's saying is, is that it's there. But the first step for you is to acknowledge what you need to own and what you need to do and that you then step into that relationship the way that your Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ has stepped into your life. If you want to see clearly, embrace the way that Jesus has taught us to pray. So let's finish with two things. Last week we finished with declaring the greatness of God and submitting to the goodness of God. Surrender, right? Now Jesus invites us as we continue to pray, we would be dependent upon God's provision that we would know that he meets our needs. And then we would be surrendered because of God's, God's pardon. So dependent, God, you're going to meet our needs. I know it. And God's pardon, we're going to surrender to it. God, you've forgiven my sin and set me free. One of the best things that you can do to actually put this into practice is to choose to go public with your faith through baptism. And in just less than a month, like just a couple of weeks from today, December 5th is Baptism Sunday. What a perfect way to kick off the Christmas season by choosing to go public with a private work of God in your life. This work is personal, but it should never stay private. You should go public. And it's you acknowledging that Jesus is Lord of your life, that he came and he died and he resurrected, that he is who he says that he is, and he has accomplished what he said he would accomplish. There's nothing magical about you getting in the water. It's just the story being announced publicly because we are invited, we are commanded to do that. And it's time for you to not slip in and slip out at Active Church or slip in and slip out in the kingdom of God. It's time for you to say, I'm all in, I'm going public. I wanna invite you to choose to get baptized. And you can get started by texting BAPTISM to the number that you see on the screen. This would be one of the best ways that you can say, God, I'm dependent upon your provision and I'm surrendered because of your pardon. And we need to be surrendered because temptation is coming, right? We can mess it up and we can mess it up quickly. And we'll talk about that next week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, We declare who you are, our heavenly father. And we submit to what you want to do in us and through us. We are dependent upon you, meeting every one of our needs, whether we have plenty or we are in a lean moment. And God, we also surrender. We surrender to you because you are the one that sets us free and refreshes our heart and mind and cleanses our soul. So may we do for those around us what you have done for us because of Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Ukaipa. See you next time.